All right. We're, we're on the air. Judge Pinehole. <laughs> get yourself in trouble now. Don't want to get yourself in trouble. Yeah, we were just talking. Did you hear about this, Aaron? You're going to love this, buddy. Yeah, uh, Saturday and Sunday, it says more than 2,400 migrants, read that, illegal immigrants, uh, crossed into the United States near El Paso, Texas, daily over the weekend. That, according to a senior Border Patrol official, marking what he described as a major surge in illegal crossings in the region. Hundreds of migrants have been staying across the border uh, in Mexico, raising concerns among officials that many would try to cross when a Trump-era border policy ends in late December. Republican National Convention research says that Biden advisor Jake Sullivan, quote, said this. We believe that the that that system is a system that does not that does an effective job of being able to determine who is coming across the border. Over one million, one million getaways have illegally crossed the border and escaped into the U.S. since Biden took office. Well, they said this latest caravan. One million. One million. They said this latest caravan, it's only going to get worse, was brought in. The Mexican government bust them to right to the edge of the border. Yeah, the Mexican police were following that, running alongside with the trucks to take them right to the Mexican border before the thousand of them crossed. Dropped them off at, like, uh, what do you call it, shelters and different things, and they proceeded to just trot right across the border. Yeah. Did you say... The, the, the number one language soon will be uh, Mexican here in, in America. I think they call that Spanish, Dave. Do they call it Spanish? That's Spanish. <laughs> you ever heard Spanish and heard Mexican? It's different. It is. It's not the same thing by a long shot. They got their own language, just like we got. I mean, we yeah. say we speak English, but it's not proper, proper English, English like it was over in England. Dot, dot, you know, you know, Far from you know, it. Walk around it. Those guys are crazy over there, too. I don't want to talk like the British do. No. I don't need a stiff little finger. Who who wants to call? I don't want to say, give me a serving, a banger, a mash. No. <laughs> no. I just, you know, just or give me a fag. Yeah, I like oh, cigarettes. Oh, no, no. Over here, that would be totally misconstrued. I'm I wonder saying. if that still works over there. Oh, yeah. They still call them fags. Oh, do you know what I'm talking that. about, Aaron? Hey, Aaron. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. You don't know what you don't you don't know what a fag is in it in Britain. It's a cigarette. Oh. You smoke. No, them. I did not know that. They call the, they <laughs> call them fags. Yeah, that's what they call them. Definitely smoking a fag. I, is I different. won't even get into you know speckled dick for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sausage. Now it's not it's not nasty. It's a sausage. They eat that. They eat it over there. Okay. <laughs> If you, if I said that I did I was eating one of those here, I can tell you I would get some looks. Not in polite company, Dave. Yeah. I don't know. It's just crazy. I would think you'd be wanting to read books to children at that point in time. Yeah, I want to read books. That's what I want to do. They got a new show on HBO, and I'm like, I'm getting so close to just canceling it. I mean, they have like one or two shows that I watch, you know, religiously because I really like them. But, you know, this new one, 
here and now. And it's all about, uh, you know, um, these dancers that like to dress up like women. You know, when you know when Divine was around, the big fat ones right. were looked at, and everybody would go, hey, no big deal, you know. Right. That's, <laughs> you know, Milton Berle and stuff yeah. like that. Not anymore. They're serious about this stuff. Well, they were, they were like, serious then. I mean, they were just working us into acceptance of degeneracy. Is they were like the jesters of old, except here they are. Uh, what are they? Oh, drag drag queens. That's drag what they queen. are. Where did that term come from? Drag queen. I don't know. I mean, I I could kind of think you know queen, and then you drag her around the dirt and doesn't look <laughs> like a regular queen anymore. You know. I don't know where the drag came in. I I just I'm going to be honest with you. If you're like okay with that stuff, we're not going to go to dinner. Because <laughs> I'm just thinking that the the dinner conversation will be strange. I don't I don't really care what they do because they don't reproduce, but I, I do care when they go into libraries and read to children and try to push that. You know what bothers me more than that? The parents that let their kids do that. Right. Yes. What in the hell's wrong with you? And I'm thinking of older. And feel free to call today and and explain to me that you think that's cool for your kid. There was a whole show. There was a whole show about that. I I don't think it lasted very long, but about um, I don't remember the name, but it was like twelve, thirteen year olds that their parents were taking them to drag queen conventions. Well, isn't wow? They're getting them late. I'm seeing them taking them at four and five years old. What in the hell is wrong with you? Is is the Marine that stopped the shootings apparently at the one drag thing that they've kind of dropped at this point in time because it wasn't a white supremacist. It was actually another yeah non-binary non-binary person (laughs) is uh, somebody who could look at themselves in the mirror after a shower and said. What am I? <laughs> that Marine was there with his children. Yeah. Is that where he was there? Yeah. That's the only reason he was there, to take his children to watch. Time. Is he out? Is he out? Does, does his kids know that he dresses up like girls? No, he, 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 he doesn't. Up. He was there with his wife and his children is because he just wants to be oh, a... Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, just to take his... To He's there with his, his wife and children. Yeah. Yes. He wasn't... He Apparently... Is he, he non-binary? I think I don't know if he was binary. He didn't. He didn't use his pronouns, but he, he was a, wouldn't non- seemed like a straight guy there with his family to show them. Wouldn't non-binary mean a stopper to all of it anyway? Because if you're calling someone non-binary, wouldn't you be calling the other part binary, which makes I, you binary? I have no idea. I mean, I this stuff confuses <laughs> me, but I, I have to admit that somebody who's non-binary, do they have any kind of if this is his wife, do they have any kind of sexual relationship? I mean, he doesn't know what he is. Apparently, when he's with her, he's a man. <laughs> or maybe maybe she stra- Well, maybe something else happens. Okay. Look, I'm all about helping those people. That's somebody that needs mental health. Yes. He really does. There's a problem Dysphoria. there. There's something wrong. Well, there's something wrong if... You're out with your buddies and you're nothing, and then you get with your wife and you're like, "Let's go do it, baby." <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't get that. Well, I don't get the wife. If that, I think he may have been straight, just there, I, like. I, yeah, as the marine, I, I'm pretty sure was straight. It's the sad part behind it is that he was there with his children, and the main focus was that he was taking his children to see the drag queen show. 
Well, here's what I know. If from all the Marines that I ever served with, if they knew that he was taking his kids to see drag queens, there'd be a GI party in the barracks. Well, he was out. I do believe he was out. Oh, well. Retired. He was out in a few ways. They got his butt out of the Marines. Did you see the pup play they have going on in the military now? The what? It's called pup play, where the guy that was in charge of nuclear waste got the pup play word out there. Tucker Carlson was talking about it. The fellow that stole the uh, women's bags bags from the airport. Yeah, who's now out of uh, of service. They've got military, a general, I believe it was a general posting pictures of himself in full uniform with a dog mask on. And it's some form of fetish bondage. That and they, they've got their uniform on, so he has his lover on too. In another picture, this and is they in got their uniforms on. Yeah, they said they're investigating. They're it not going to. They're not going to be in the in the Marines very much longer. You would hope not, but this is a new world. Okay, so they're not wearing a horse's head. They're just wearing a dog. <laughs> mask. No, this is all specifically pup play. Pup play, where they wear leather dog masks and. I don't know if they wear the collars and everything, but they dress well, up. They've in been wearing collars gear. for a long time. Right. Yes. The big studs on them and the, you know, the nails sticking out of them. Yeah, they've been doing is... that in Frisco since the 60s. Yes, it's a new world. You're no longer eating the uh, hot dog eating mask with the hole in the front. It's now as it's a dog mask. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just don't want to hear anymore. Do you want to hear anymore? I'm asking my listeners. Right? Did you want to hear anymore about this? This is, this is crazy stuff. Just absolutely nuts stuff. All right, well, let's get our first uh, our first break in, and then we'll come back and do more. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, let me tell you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Talk about them just for a moment. Eric Coleman uh, will make sure that you get the present that you need to pick up for your significant other. Uh, he's got all kinds of stuff uh, out uh, in, their, in those large display cases of his that lets those diamonds just really sparkle at you. And uh, you look at me, my wife would really like that, or my significant other would really like that, or my, I don't know, my girl who identifies as a boy but really is a girl. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll go, I have to get something really nice f- uh, for them for uh, Christmas, and you can do that. Uh, over at uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. They're 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. Uh, stop by and talk to Eric. He loves to visit with people. He's a real personable guy. Uh, he'll show you, you know, creations that he's got there uh, in his jewelry uh, shop that I think will catch your eye and probably the eye of the person that you're buying it for. And know that if you buy something right now, you get a uh, collectible designer ornament as well. Uh, I know that the women are going nuts about them. They really, really like them. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. It's well, it's more than a kink. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really sick. Some guys feel like they turn into an animal when they have sex. <laughs> that would be, is that the whole masculinity, toxicity or whatever? That I the, would call that toxic. That, that women talk about. But if you watch season two of Netflix's BD. SM show bonding. I have not run across this, thank God, yet. I don't have Netflix. 
Then you know others prefer to dress up as an animal when they do it. Puppy play, a.k.a. pup play, is a form of consensual adult role play popular in the gay leather community (laughs) where people dress up and embody the characteristics of a dog. Often these so-called pups wear a leather dog mask and a tail, usually in the form of a, a butt plug. (laughs) They walk around on all fours, bark, and sometimes eat and drink from a bowl. But these pups aren't strays. They typically have an owner, also called a handler or master. The owner may walk their pup on a leash, pet them, and shower them with love, just like they would a real dog. But unlike with real dogs, the owner may also have sex with their pup. That's enough. I don't need to get any further into this with y'all. I'm just telling you, there's people who think this is normal behavior. Hey, Dave, as I can identify a little bit, is I had an ex's, ex, my ex's mom told me as I was a rabid raccoon. You were a rabbit rac, a rabid. A rabid raccoon. Okay. Yeah, but you know, I don't believe you ever identified. As oh, that. oh, so I wasn't just a masculine. I was called Rocky a... Raccoon. It was after a Beatles song. <laughs> yeah, I think she may have been meaning that in a different way. That, you know what I'm saying? Would that be considered rack play? Maybe? I have, yeah, I, I have no idea what it is. I don't well, know you where guys you're were telling me. That. You were telling me that there's some people. It's like My Little Pony or Bronies. Something. I thought. I thought this was. This was. Kept over on the islands of Japan. Now you got to look Brony up we're, next. We're, Brony people, is great. There's people you know dress up in big stuffed animal con. Look, well, look Brony's up on YouTube. Is uh, is it's basically men that are in love with My Little Ponies. They go to conventions. Mental health. And fetish, fetishize about... I'm just telling you, it's mental health. Well, that, that should have been like a warning when that started getting really popular and accepted. Well, accepted enough to be on the news and reported as, hey, this is just another day. <laughs> wow. I got to tell you, I, I worry about our country. Not I seriously you know. worry about it. I mean, between, between immigration and inflation and just the fact that we only have an illusion of freedom anymore. No, no wonder why I, when I'm on the air, people say, Dave, you just talk about the old stuff. You just talk about the economy and stuff. I can tell you, if, if you're expecting me to talk about this on a regular basis, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. These, are, I'm sorry. I mean, there may be people out there who are going to be get triggered right now. But people who do that kind of stuff are sick. So what you're saying, Dave, is pup play is not going to be a part of your life anytime soon. No. Not my life or anybody in my family's life. I can tell you <laughs> that. It makes me wonder, are they attracted to dogs? I don't. I mean, no, where did I, that come from? You know, I quote the Bible a lot of times. You know that. And Paul said that in the last days, the people would be turned over to a reprobate mind, or that anything goes. Yeah, anyone. I can't believing. argue. I'm not going to argue with Paul that there. You know, there's people putting on dog masks, sticking in a butt plug for a tail. 
and walking around on all fours and, and drinking out of a bowl and eating out of a bowl and all the rest and thinking that it's normal. Well, degeneracy has become normal. Well, yeah. Well, I did a whole show on that because degeneracy has only one trajectory down. Well, that's where we're headed. That's what scares me. This is a perfect example of how far can you go before you hit rock bottom. And everyone's too afraid to lose their job or lose their position or lose their That's friends. why you listen to me, because <laughs> I'll say it loud and clear right here on the radio. These people are sick and they need help. And the, and the bigger sad part about it is, is instead of having more on just things on a lot of your TV stations and stuff, they'll take this less than probably a percent of the population. Yeah, they want Jerry Springer to bring right. them out. That's what they want them to do. It's, we live in in a society that people do anything. I mean, I had somebody send me a, a text, and I'd already heard about it, uh, at a school where the, uh, the some of the kids are identifying themselves as furries. Yep. As cats. <laughs> and and they and the parents the parents have gone to the uh, principal and the superintendent and said that they thought there should be large litter boxes right i was going to for say them that. to use if your school if your sen- uh, superintendent if your principal if you hear and it's true and it happens they need to be fired like 3 days ago yeah, all this stuff would have been like a Saturday night, Saturday night Live skit back. Yeah, well, no kidding. <laughs> you know, as it now as it's reality. No kidding. And boy, would Bill Murray had some things to say about this, and so would so so would have. Uh, oh, what, what's his name? Did Chinese laundry and all that? John Belushi. John Belushi. He'd had a lot to say about it. Can you imagine? I wish that Monty Python. Oh, Lord. We'd get back together and take on some of this crazy stuff. I mean, Cleese comes out all the time and talks mm-hmm. about cancel culture and how crazy they are. I did love you, Monty Python. Did you hear Did you hear what happened uh, with Chappelle the other night? He yeah. Was, he was doing his, his show, on. and he brought Elon on, and, and he felt sorry for Elon because the people would – this is the way they cancel him. They boo anytime he tries to say anything. So that he can't say anything, anybody can hear him. So that's censorship in and of itself. But, yeah. you know, he's just shaking his head. Because he wants freedom of speech yeah. is the people that no, lauded him, lauded him that's for it, years. Is it's freedom of speech. That's what it's about. I thought the progressives were about freedom of speech, and they're not. No, they're the old not. liberals are. They're the real fascists. They're the real Nazis. They're the ones that don't See? want people to have their own thoughts. Yeah, they shut down any dissent. Any, you know, they can't handle arguments or actual, you know, discussions. Lauded him for years for his electric vehicles, and now vilify him for freedom of speech. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's amazing to me because I've I've lived through it all now. I I was in the Berkeley movement. When I was in my late years in high school, which all, was all about freedom of speech, and now the people that I was friends with in Berkeley have turned around, and now they don't want anybody to be able to talk about anything anymore. They want to censor everybody and cancel everybody. What is wrong with you people? It's propaganda. What, what is wrong with these people? Seriously, yeah. what is wrong with words? Right. 
I mean, they've been so so triggered into these oh. talking points. And yeah, that's that's, that's the operative word for my show this morning. <laughs> triggered. Triggered. <Yeah. laughs> I've been triggered today. Uh, pop sex. This is crazy stuff. <laughs> Wait to right. see bronies. All right, we're taking a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so Dr. Fauci, the mi- the minister of misinformation is saying that tr- that uh, uh, Elon Musk is the minister of misinformation and that he's just throwing a bunch of stuff out there to confuse people. No, he's showing you what people were actually saying behind the scenes at Twitter. Right. Uh, you know, he, he's played, he's gone into the Wizard of Oz. He's gone into, uh, what is it, the, the Emerald City. Mm. Yeah. And he's pulled back the uh, curtain and said, here's, the, here's Oz. And here's why you didn't hear about this or you you only heard about this this way. And it's all there, categorically easy for you to read and to decide. What amazes, well, it doesn't amaze me any longer. Uh, what worries me is that only Fox is the station that's even talking about these dumps that they're doing from from Twitter. It's because they were the other media companies were involved. Well, and, I know that, but I'm just <laughs> saying ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNNBC, all, none of them are even covering this they had at 13 all. 13 minutes. And in Fox's it's very very in between, few and far between is it's Tucker's, you know, Gutfeld, Hannity. Oh, they're is, in the mornings now. They're all. Are they throwing yeah, it out in the morning and, too? And, and, you know, as far as just a news story, they're all over it. But now. it's not like it's. They treat it. They smile about the story. They smile when they lead into the story, and then they go, "Okay, what's up next?" With a big smile. Not like it's of any consequence. Yeah, I won't say that. I won't say that. I watch Fox and Friends. Or the, the the pre-show to Fox and yeah, Friends, I it's do like too. pre-football show. Uh, I I see them and Todd. Right, he is all over well, this. He's a character. He is really irritated about about all of it, and I and and rightly so. Yeah, that they're keeping this, and they they really haven't kept it from anybody. I mean, when you suddenly see it just kind of disappear from from the marketplace, so to speak. Uh, you got to know somebody is saying, well, you, you don't need to know that. What amazes me, college students, college students. When I was a college student, if that kind of stuff happened, we'd been out marching right. in the streets. All right. We'd mm-hmm. been marching in the streets because we want we wanted to know the truth. We wanted we didn't want to cancel the truth. We wanted to know the truth. And now that's not the case. No. You know, you're little brown shirts. That's what you are. I'm sorry. You're a little brown shirt. Well, you're that's all you're it the is. one that would have been, you know, bowing down to Hitler and burning books. Well, that's because it helps their side. And any means possible is what, I mean, I think is. Yeah, in justified means is yeah. their modus operandi. Right. And they don't want to talk about it. Lord, don't even bring up a fact. Well, the press secretary. They don't want to talk about facts. Right. Well, and it's one of the great things that we have with our little handheld devices now is it's one of the things I always use is, hey, well, let's look it up. Is And then people don't want to look it up is because they know you're going to be right with what you're telling them is and, you know, it, it just turns into anger. Yeah, well, they, they get angry because mm-hmm. you're wrong. <laughs> that's right. All right. That's MSNBC told me so. Yeah. That's just crazy. It is. It's really. This is. 
This is disturbing for someone like me who's been around for a long time and been politically active all my life and fought for freedom of speech from the Berkeley side so people could actually write what they believed and published what they believed and now see it come full circle. And I've always said that. I said if you're all the way deep into, you know, uh, uh, wearing a, uh, an aluminum foil hat on the right, or you're all the way over on the left and uh, you want to take and burn every American flag you can find, you know where they both end up at at the end? Totalitarianism. Totalitarianism. Because whether it's from the right or the left, you don't want to be there. But we've already got shadow totalitarianism. Excuse my language. Trying to pronounce it, pronounce the word. But, I mean, it seems like because nobody's in uproar, nobody's in arms. I mean, you know, we had two no, elections. No, they're too excited about watching, uh, you know, the Razorbacks on Saturday. Yeah. I think I think I would take my aluminum helmet before I would take my pup mask, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what used to be called a conspiracy theory is generally the truth. It's the truth anymore. It's yeah. getting that way. It really is. It is. It's turning out that way. And it's very, very... It's sad. It's sad. I'm watching my country crumble in front of me, to be honest. And people are sitting back watching TV and allowing it. Well, they're taking part in it. Yeah. They're taking part in it. You got men that are going out and and in love with my little pony. And you've got <laughs> women that are in love with my little pony. What is wrong? I'm just saying, if you'll, if you'll go along with you know, anything, you'll end up going along with everything. You'll fall for everything. Yeah. Dave, yeah. you just need to take a step back, watch some of your morning Joe, and, and quit. <laughs> and listen yeah. to some NPR. Uh, yeah, that's what I need, exactly. You know, I need to be one of those. You know, NPR, all things considered, used to be a good radio show. Yes. And it's not any longer because the people in power are all progressives now. I used to love watching PBS because they had great documentaries on. Not, not anymore. anymore. I mean, when you when you used to watch Mike Wallace, and he did a white paper. That's what they called it back then. All right, a white paper. That meant it was going to be a factual look at something. I think that's racism now. Yeah, it would be. You can't call it a white paper. That's for sure. You know, I said. I was watching last night as long as I could because it's such a well-acted movie. I was watching um, Washington and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which, ha- it's got uh, some great scenes in it. Mm-hmm. But when he's in prison and the guy is reading the definitions from the uh, encyclopedia or the dictionary to him about the word black and the word white. And he says, and who wrote this book, son? Huh, boy, who wrote this book? It's a white man wrote this book. And he goes, goes into all of that. And I'm, I'm just listening to it. I'm going, man, they, if that's really the way it went down, I got to give them credit, the people, that the progressives, because they lied to people without knowing that they were being lied to and, and got people to buy into it. Well, victimization is is like something that's easy to push on someone. You know, if if someone's looking for an excuse to their problems, you know, you're a victim is easy to push on someone. Yeah, if you want to, you know, you can watch this 
and I, I'd be interested to sit down and and take uh, an interview with Denzel and ask him how he portrayed Malcolm X. Because, you know, he went from the point of being a man who hated all white people mm-hmm. to being a man who didn't hate all white people anymore. He understood it was a human condition. Yeah. Uh, and and it was good. And then he ended up getting killed well, the, because the, of his views. The nation does put out uh, stuff to the effect of, like, if you read the Bible, is you always light is always portrayed as white is and darkness is always portrayed as black is and that's kind of where they were probably going with the dictionary that's what they did yeah Yeah. that's exactly what they did you know well when you see black all they say is bad things you know well it's because if you look at the human way people viewed black at night, that's when bad things happen. Yes. Right, darkness. Back then, they didn't have a lot of light. You know, you walk around with a a stick with something Candle. wrapped around the end <laughs> of it. You know, trying to see two foot in front of you. You know, and bad things tended to happen at that time. That's why it went the way it went. But yeah, I just sounds like our uh, roads. And their whole thing about you know the black man was the first man, not true, and we know that now. You know, the, through archaeological evidence, that's not true. And it wasn't a white guy, by the way. Kind of an olive-skinned guy is what we're talking about here. So anyway, I don't get it. I just, I people want to have these just outrageous beliefs that uh, fly in the face of what's true. I'd rather sit and talk to a Malcolm X person any day because they will sit and have a conversation with you. And they depending are, at what Malcolm X you got. Well, I when I used to live in Cincinnati, <laughs> they were on the street corners, and yeah, I would okay. talk to them. Well, they see they they had been taught by by X not to be, you know, bitter towards right. you. And things. Yeah, I used to talk to a lot of Nation of Islam people, was and they were uh, they will have a conversation with you instead of just stand there as and and get angry as neither and yell at want to fight or walk very off. Very composed, yeah. right? Yeah, if you want to be composed. yelled at, find the Farrakhan person. Yeah, they'll yell at you. If they find you, a white liberal. You know, white liberal. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Limousine liberals love liberal. I I used to get along with the owner of WIBC, Jeff Simulian. He was a very big liberal, and I used to make fun of him on the air. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised I stayed there as long as I did, because he would come on and he would be talking about stuff and. And I said, uh, so are you, like, embarrassed that you have this money? And as you listen to him, you could kind of hear it. And I said, look, if you get really embarrassed, just give it to me. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy to take it. And, and um, no problems. And he would just start cracking well, up. I've got a Dude. good friend in Philly that, that's like that, Brian. Yeah. He's like that. but And he does give... I mean, it's amazing the stuff he gives away. He works. I mean, he's an over-the-road truck driver, he, and he, he works, works hard. Butt off, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know anybody that needs something, you know he he'll go out of his way but to give it to him. He's but a hardcore leftist that he here's the problem doesn't like capitalism. Yeah, well, here's the problem with being a hardcore leftist. All right, and that is if you continue just to give stuff to people, you're enabling enabling them not to reach their full potential. Right. Well, and that's one of the sad things that I think that he came to figure out or is figuring out is that these people 
they look at him as and they say stuff like, well, you have is in there mad that he has, but they don't understand is that he has he worked, worked his butt get off yeah. to get what he's got. And then, they, he, and then what he needs to understand, it's because of capitalism that he's been able to work hard right. to get that and stuff. He does, but he doesn't like it. Oh, he doesn't like it. I mean, he's the kind <laughs> of person. I don't like working hard either, but at least I can get to where I want to get to that way. I can't the other way. He walks the walk. He won't even call the police. He's, he is a he's super smart individual too is like he's too smart for his own good he was I raised think, in ireland with the bombs going off and everything oh, else okay. so had really didn't have much of a mother had to grow up hungry and you know crossed over to america so was he catholic or protestant he isn't like, either but, uh, yeah, uh, no he either. had to be one <laughs> i don't remember i don't remember what he said i think he was raised catholic was he i not? think so but yeah. i'm not yeah, i'm pretty sure that's i mean that's a whole religious war that was going on over there yeah. it's crazy all right it's about 14 minutes to seven let's take a break uh and then we'll come back and talk more uh pi roofing is now pi roofing and home solutions that home solution part is important to you because if you need some let's say construction done it's not a big you know big deal maybe you need part of your deck you know fixed up uh they'll do it for you and you just have to call them and they'll set up the time to come out and take care of it and they'll do it at a reasonable cost because if you call one of the big construction places you know that they got multiple trucks that show up and stuff they ain't showing up at your house to fix your deck i'm just telling you that right now so uh, turn your attention over to pi roofing because you know what they did uh in the roofing business over the last 20 years they are considered one of the best roofing company if not the best roofing uh, company here in central arkansas and now those same people that have been fixing your roof can fix up other thing, all kinds of things around your house and take care of it for you and not charge you an arm and a leg. Call them up at 501-707-3115 or visit them online, piroofing.com. It's the only company that I'm using uh, for my roof. They're the only people been on my roof to fix it. And uh, I can tell you in the springtime, they're going to fix my deck. I've been talking to them about that. So um, if you want to do like I do, do it with P.I. Roofing. Hey, don't forget, coming up after uh, the 7 o'clock hour for news, Bible guys are coming in. I have a really uh, important question to uh, give to them about a person who's dealing with one of his friends who is feeling suicidal. And uh, what do they, what would they suggest and how to handle that situation. So we'll be talking about that. And the other thing we'll be talking about, and I, I've been looking at Eric, and he's been looking at that's called a menorah that I have yeah. there. I you know, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Hanukkah some today because Hanukkah starts this week for our Jewish friends and, uh, and, and folks next door to us. I think I got Jewish family that was next door to us. Had to watch and see. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool what they uh, what they why they do and why they do it uh be glad you don't live over in iran you know they had those big uh protests over there a few weeks back uh dealing with that lady that they arrested and murdered beat her and and whatnot and of course the uh, biden department uh, you know they, they did their thing they they didn't say anything no, that, what they did, they went over and saw the Saudis and begged them for oil. Aren't we still looking for oil from Iran, too? Uh, no, Venezuela. 
I wonder Venezuela, what happened to the soccer yeah. team that yeah. went back home after they Yeah, I want to know how their family was treated because I'll tell you what, the, the media played that up. They knew that the uh, um, the people in Iran, the Ayatollahs and, uh, and the people in power, had told them that they had better be singing the national yeah. anthem. And if they weren't, they knew where their families were and things and of that nature. On all their yeah, faces. they zip. They 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 put them on uh, there so you could really look at them and see: Are they serious about what they're saying? Or, yeah. Or are they just kind of mouthing it? Then along? they applaud them in the media, knowing that they're going to go back home, and then they forget about them. Yeah. And, well, of course, that's the way the media always works. But anyway, this is from uh, Hot Air. Uh, which is owned by uh, Salem Media, by the way. A second protester has been executed in Iran. Uh, oh, yeah. He was ex- executed in the city of uh, Mashhad the nor- in northern Iran Monday. Uh, this comes after the first known protester execution was carried out last week. Uh, he was publicly hanged from a construction crane. That means they didn't drop him, all right, which breaks your neck and and kills you pretty quickly. Uh, no, they they raised him up and let him strangle to death. Yeah. Wasn't he the one that had the party to celebrate America winning? I'm, I'm looking. He was accused of uh, fatally stabbing two members yeah. of uh, the militia. The militia are violently suppressing the protests. Human rights activists say his was a sham trial. They say he did not have a lawyer in court. And he showed signs of being tortured. That was all reported by some of the Iranian state media who reported that he had confessed. Right. After he'd been beaten for like 12 hours or something, he confessed. Oh, I did it. Trials. I did it. I, you know, kill me. <laughs> I can't take this anymore kind of stuff but do 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 a lot of, a lot of people in iran don't drive vehicles and stuff right a Women lot of people w- walk is and they ride bikes it's probably good for the earth so that's all right right well yeah of course they're they're they're, they're green they're greenies absolutely we've got to like them except that they tell the women they can't drive no oh, oh, it's only wow. been what the last two years that a woman can drive in saudi right. arabia they actually gave them licenses I can imagine what the talk around uh, the clubhouse was after you went out and played 18 rounds and said, well, I'm going to drive on home. Oh, watch out for those women now. <laughs> the women are out on the roads. You know, I could just hear them already. Well, that's that That would be a good story to, to tell about Thorson. Is so we were sitting downtown one day, oh and I would imagine it was probably someone from a country where they don't allow women to drive. She was dressed in her uh, hijab and all that stuff. Okay, had a burqa on. Bur- burger, yeah, yeah is, uh, is uh, and he was young, and he was young. He was super young. She made a left down the one way street. Thorson, Thorson jumped up and then started running. He thought she was coming to blow stuff up. Yeah, <laughs> he, he he literally down the middle of the street. It was it was one of the funniest things Simone and I had ever Stop. seen. He, he yeah. did. He jumped up and ran. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand somebody might get confused about that. As far as that's concerned. But that's something, yeah. You know, people here in this country take our freedoms just for granted. And I'm not going to say that we don't have people trying to suppress those freedoms because they are. And it's real. And and it's happening. Yeah, and it's real. It really is real. But we hadn't gotten to the point yet that we're 
finding a construction crane somewhere no. and putting a rope around somebody's neck and raising them up. Well, oh, we've right. got we've when gotten we way there, away from that point. When, all, when we get to that point, it's ladies too late and gentlemen, now. you, I, I've got, I still have guns. I will go. I will fight. And we that. are always playing backup, though, in defense. Though. Oh, that yeah. The problem. We yeah. let it get way out beyond our skis and then wake up and go, oh, hey, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, rather yeah, than. Yeah, like in our schools. Right. You know, our schools and. That's going to change. Are you military. excited about that? I'm well, going to talk about that in the last hour today. There are some big, big things going to happen come to the, uh, the General Assembly starting at the be- in the beginning of January. And school is one of them. There, there are huge changes coming. There is going to be, for the first few weeks in the General Assembly, I'll, I'm going to be surprised if, you know, there's not hundreds of teachers in the, in the chambers uh, chanting and all kinds of stuff that they're trying to destroy the public school system. Hmm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because they're going to pass. I'm, I'm telling you right now, 99% chance they're going to pass that the money that the kid uh, is worth going right. to school is going to follow them to whatever school they want to go to. Great. I mean, we're talking about real school choice. We're talking about what well, it's called universal school choice. I'll be honest. I never thought I'd see it happen. I've been pushing on this since the 80s, and then I really got excited when Bruce Westerman brought it up in, uh, in 2010 because he said the only way to get around Lakeview was to let the money follow the children, which gives them an equal opportunity to go to the school of their choice. My only question behind it would be is if, if that be the case, is will it follow them if people are homeschooling? Yes. Because uh, – the scary part behind it would be there would be a lot of people that would decide not for the child's well-being, but for their own well-being to say, well, I'm going to homeschool there that will kid be so I have, can pocket There that will money. be rules and things that will be checked on to make sure that they are homeschooling. If they are not, they could go to jail. Yeah. Because they're, they're taking money. It's at them. Yeah. yeah. It's a great we're idea. We're talking about $7,000 per student. In fact, we're going to talk about it in the final hour of Dave Ellswick show today, and that's going to be at 9 o'clock. i got to get out of the way, let some news play. Thank you all, Eric Simone. Thanks for coming in here on the Dave Ellswick show. Bible guys are next. Billy getting into it. <laughs> Who's it? That's not... Uh, trying to think who. That's not... That's not um, wow, who is that? Who's that sing- my boss, he just walked out of the room. So. Oh, he's... Is that Scott? No, Scott got here. Oh, yeah. he was, who's doing that song there, uh, Aaron? Do you know? You know who's doing that song? I'm not sure, Dave. You're not sure? Boy, you've had a bad morning. I'm feeling sorry for Aaron today. Well, he, it works for I, you. Here's, no, I walked in. <laughs> I walked in this, into, the, into the building today, and the, it was dark. Uh-oh. Now, there's always a light on, right? Right. That meant nobody had been here since whenever the last person left. Mm. And I went, uh-oh, Aaron's not here. And I, I checked, and I didn't get a, an email or anything. And... Uh, he, he got here just before we went on the air. He had a flat tire on the way into work oh, today. Oh, that's always fun. 
and it's you know how nasty it is outside. Mm-hmm. And I, I really I haven't said a word to him. Now I'm going to make fun. I'm going to go off on him. Just have fun <laughs> on him. Yeah. Now I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I I'm going to give you credit, Aaron. You're not a you're not a millennial. You changed your own tire. Good for you, man. I give credit to my dad. You do get that was credit. Like one of the first things he taught me when I was uh, when I first started driving. So and how to change the tire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations. You did it, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> I really, really am. That's a good thing. All right. So what do I got going here? First question today. I, I want to start right off with this because it's a serious question. Yeah. Real serious. I have an extremely depressed friend. He's considering suicide. What scriptures would help this person? What What are your thoughts about mental illness and suicide? Thank you. Let's turn it over to you, Scott. We'll let you. Where I bet you've dealt with this before. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, so I guess we have to operate off the uh, the premise that this person's already born again. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, if he's not, then this is an entirely different conversation. Uh, but if he is someone who is born again, there's a couple of things that we need to that that I would say to this to this person. And um, and first of all, I would uh, I would talk with him about I guess a bit, for lack of a better term, I would use the words spiritual warfare. This is um, okay. something he needs to that he needs to um, begin to stand against and to be, because it's death. And so um, I, would, I would talk to this person about beginning to pray in a certain way uh, to begin to deal with these thoughts of death. You know, thoughts of suicide are horrible, but they are, they're similar to any other thought of different kinds of sin. You know, whether it's uh, I, have an, I feel like I should steal something or I feel like I should, I should uh, you know, commit adultery or I feel like I should um, hurt someone. Uh, these are all things that were meant to be resisted, to be rebuked, to thoughts that were meant to take captive and to pull down. Uh, and so I would talk to this person about, about taking, first of all, identifying where these thoughts are coming from. They're not coming from him. They're not coming from God. They're coming from the adversary who wants to extinguish his light and, uh, and how to stand and position themselves against that. And then a scripture that I typically go to, I'm drawing a blank on the reference right now, but it talks about putting on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Um, you know where that's at? It's in Psalms, I think. I'll find it. Um, and um, and I would encourage the person to begin to watch their eye gate and their ear gate, mm-hmm. what they're hearing, what they're seeing, and to begin to uh, surround themselves with um, a garment of praise, uh, which begins to lift off heaviness. And uh, and I would start at that point. So first of all, I'd, I'd let, identify with them where this thing is coming from, and then begin to tell them how to how to process the, those thoughts in the form of casting them down, to stand against it, to rebuke it, and then to begin to more or less replace these thoughts with thoughts of praise and allow heaviness to begin to lift off. And I'll pass that over to Steve, and the I'll other, look for a, a, the, the verse. Irony is, I was actually dealing with this last week. Um, got a call from somebody, and it was pretty serious. And so you have to find out how far down that road that they have gone. Um, if it's um, the beginning part of that struggle, uh, then what you do with uh, Pastor Scott is talking about where you try and identify. Um, you try and identify why they feel the way they feel or why they're thinking that that is the only option um, that they have. Uh, and you also need to find out, <clears throat> is there a sin related to it 
because sometimes people are dealing with guilt uh, and they feel like they can't be forgiven. They can't feel like they can overcome the situation or whatever the case is. Or um, maybe it's something that somebody's done to them because one of the things that we, people don't talk about is the trauma side where people feel that they can't get any relief. They can't get any deliverance from any maybe past trauma or thing. And so they just feel like they can't take or deal with the emotions and what they've gone through any longer. Uh, but then I would also take them to the place where you you remove this away from, from them just for a, a minute. And what I mean by that is um, if someone who's in a place where they're willing to harm themselves – they're not thinking about others and i think that one of the things and most people do not want to hurt other people and the they need to think about the effects of what would happen to a mother a father a husband a wife a child that they would potentially leave behind and when they start thinking about the you know second and third order effects of them going um then then that would tend to usually break them back because people don't want to hurt other people um, so there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a very all of this is very situational. It really is because you need to find out what's going on, and if it's really just the beginning stages, like what Pastor Scott is talking about, um, then you have to uh, try and get them to understand what they're dealing with first, uh, dealing with a, a, a spiritual attack, uh, and then and then uh, work down to what's going on with that and why do they feel the way they feel about it. And I think that's important to understand that this is a spiritual thing. Yeah, it's not just I'm. I mean, you know, it's just not feeling blue. Right? You know, it's not just feeling blue. You're at, you're at a point now to where you're wanting to 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 end your life. This now now a spirit has entered in here and is working to to kill the, the script. Jesus actually said of the devil, he said he's been a murderer since the beginning, and that's what he. And what you're about to do is is commit suicide. Someone's going to commit suicide in in um, in Swedish. Um, not that this really makes a big deal to a lot of people, but in Swedish, the word for suicide is självmord, which means self murder. And that's kind of what this this is. Yeah. Uh, we we've kind of given it a different name, but it's actually self self murder. And so the devils have been a murderer since the beginning. And so we need to understand that this is now a spiritual thing. Uh, go into Isaiah sixty one, which is where. Before I forget, yeah. I just want to say this point, and don't address the super spiritual aspect of it of what we're not sure about unless it's brought up. And what I mean by that is, don't tell them they're going to hell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if you've already got to the place where you're willing to eliminate your life, then you really have kind of yeah, you've gone beyond right. that point. You're anyway. not even thinking about yeah. you're not even thinking about that aspect of the judgment, if you will. So that's another discussion on whether that's the reality. But that's not something you want to tell somebody because if you've gone to the place where you're willing to kill yourself, then then all of those kind of other barriers are are, are not going to be. Heated. Yeah. I'm going to make a suggestion, and some people might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to say, go to the classic movie tonight. It's a wonderful life. Oh, yeah. Go to that, because that's what is dealt with. That's why it's such a dark movie. It's about killing yourself. I mean, George is ready to kill himself because of the positions that he finds himself in. And he says, I wish I was never born. And his guardian angel says, well, okay. Let's see what life would have been like if you'd never been around. Yeah. And uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> that's why I was saying take it down that other path to let them know the second and third order effects of what's going to happen if you if you're not here and let them know that they are loved because you know when you're at that state you're feeling abandoned, you're not feeling love, you don't even love yourself at that moment. Yeah. And people people would typically say everybody would be better off without me. Right. No, they wouldn't. Be. No. Uh, you're about to you're about to uh 
You're going to change your lives forever. Forever, yeah. In Isaiah 61, uh, it says here, Jesus obviously he quotes this uh, uh, of himself. But in Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, send me to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, that's obviously one thing you can really kind of rest on, helping people to get their, their broken heart healed. To proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening the prisons to those mm-hmm. who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn. And this person would be in a place of mourning. It goes on to say, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for Here's the spirit the of heaviness. Of and yeah. you can see it's just all the opposite. So you have ashes, and God's going to give you beauty. You have mourning, and he's going to give you the oil of joy. You've got heaviness, and he gives you a garment of, of praise. And so you know, if you're in a place of, of where you feel like your life is in ashes, you can see what God's going to give you in exchange for that. If you're mourning, there is, the solution is the oil of joy. If you're, you know, if you're heavy, the, the solution is a spirit of praise. So, um, so I would encourage, that just goes back to the scripture I was quoting, but that is something that I've seen happen so many times. I know for myself, just going into a worship service, man, you can have some church just being in, yep. in a mm-hmm. place of worship. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just, just Sometimes, not even, not even hearing the message, you've already had some church and your perspective's already changed. Yeah, this is um, unfortunately it's one of those. I don't. I don't think you spend more than a hot minute in in ministry before you end up having to deal with this at some point. So, this is one of those things <clears throat> that my personal opinion, and I did say personal opinion, is that those who come under the heaviest, heaviest attack to end themselves are also the ones that God has some unique work for, because there's nothing that Satan wants to interfere with more than a man or a woman who has been called to something specific. Um, you know, go go look at who was Satan's first victim. Well, it was Adam and Eve. Why? Because they were the most significant humans ever to live because they were the first. Right? If, it, if I can corrupt them, I corrupt everything else. Why was there such a strong attack on all the prophets? Why, were, why did uh, all the apostles have to die? Why did fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank? So... I will often remind people that God has called all of us to something. Mm. And it may be that God is calling you to something great. And Satan wants to undo that. Um, Because here is two things. One, I firmly believe that to be true. And two, it provides hope. Right? If God has a work for me, then there is hope for what is to come next. Um, And... Look, I know a lot of ministries that have come out of this sort of thing. Uh, and there, are, there are there are national speakers out there today who, if you take the time to learn about their background, you will find that there are several who have dealt with this very issue at one point or another. Uh, it, it is it is it is a trap of the enemy, yeah. plain and simple. Um, and he wants to. I mean. <laughs> It's his job, right? Uh, he wants to kill and destroy, and if he can do, if he can kill you, he can destroy the people and family around you because he plants that that anger, that hatred, that um, you know. I know lots of families where that has happened, where someone has taken their life, and it it not only crushes the family, but it creates long-term divisions in that family, sometimes that span multiple generations, where, well, this is your fault, you were mean to him, and blah, 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 blah. And you you not only end yourself, but sometimes you break apart entire families and, and friendships and destroy lives far beyond your own, unfortunately. 
All right. Got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we'll move on to something uh, a tad bit more uplifting, I guess you could say. Uh, we're going to talk more about Hanukkah today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around with us. You're going to learn something today as we talk about the Festival of Lights. And uh, let me tell you something else you can learn. Uh, if you want to have real peace at your home, you don't want to you know, be worried about somebody maybe breaking in the house when you're in bed or whatever. Uh, what you need is you need ICU protection and use them for your house or your business. I've got them for my house. Uh, you can't come through any door or any window. Uh, you can't even uh, <laughs> come through the garage uh, and not set off some kind of alarm that will bring me up from basically the dead. And uh, then the 12-gauge that I have sitting right underneath my my mattress will be uh, in my hands. And, and and if you rob homes and you don't know, chuck, chuck, all right, you probably shouldn't be robbing homes. I'm just telling you. Uh, they do a job and they do it right. Billy Mack, if you give him a call at 501 205 1333 he'll go over all of this with you about you know what exactly what equipment you need and know that the equipment he puts on your home is yours uh, to keep no cost to you all you have to pay is the uh, monthly service charge and these are the guys uh, at uh, ICU protection that do uh, the uh, the security for the folks out at uh, nuke one so if they can protect you know protect the nuke out there uh, they can probably take care of your uh, your home and your uh, local business. The number to call, talk to Billy Mack about this. Again, let me remind you his name, Billy Mack, 501-205-1333. That's ICU Protection. All right, let's continue. Dave Ellswick Show, 24 minutes after 7. And... Uh, after that very serious talk about suicide, mm. uh, let's talk about something that's a little lighter, a lot lighter, in fact. Let's talk about Hanukkah. Okay, now, Jesus, or Yeshua, went to Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And he made the trip to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you go back and you look at Paul and, you know, everybody says, well, is it really important to do the... You know the uh, the festivals and all of that. All I know is that Paul went back to Jerusalem to do festivals. Sure did. You know, and if that's the case, I mean, he was born again Christian when he was doing this mm-hmm. stuff. All right. And well, he said not that, only not only went back to Jerusalem, he was but a born again left, Jew. Let me yeah. let me clarify yeah. that. Left the world's greatest revival at the time. Yeah, uh, it was like I you know I appreciate what the Lord's doing here, but I got to get back to Jerusalem. So yeah, yeah. And he he said, "Follow me as I follow <laughs> Messiah." And so well, we're meant to follow him, and he was certainly a someone who, like like Billy said, he he. I mean, revivals were happening. He would stop in the middle of a revival and say, I, "I need to get back to Jerusalem because Pentecost is coming." If you brought that up, I, and I use that story out of um, <clears throat> Acts eighteen to make that point, that if you were to say, "Hey, there's an event happening here, and I'm going to," it, it's a revival, it's a tent meeting, whatever the case is. And it specifically says that in the I think it was the Ephesians asked him to stay, and it says he left there. And this is the irony. Yeah, he it did. Says, they asked him, "Don't go." Correct. And then he sailed past Galatia yeah. uh, to get there. And Galatia is the anti-law book by most of our brothers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if you were to say that today, hey, I, I can't make that revival meeting because I'm going to go keep tabernacles with my friends in Oklahoma, whatever. Right. They would think you were a heretic and a heathen. But that's exactly what Paul did. 
And that shows you how important all of these things are and how much he saw Messiah in all of those things yeah. and why it's important to keep them in context. I, I think I would say I don't think they, they might think that you're a heretic or you're, you're heathen. I think they just think you're weird. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm being honest. Or, or, or legalistic. Or, well, that's yeah, the part. Yeah, See, that's, that's the part that yeah, you don't get, Dave, is yeah. the uh, – why are you putting yourself under that bondage? Yeah, why yeah, are you yeah. burdening yourself with the law? You yeah, know, they mm-hmm. just they, – people get very animated and nasty real quick yeah. when you start talking about doing these things that God ordained. So if if if, if Paul was willing to interrupt a, 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 a national revival to go, um, we should be willing to pause – Whatever we're doing, uh, you know, if that is uh, a trip we're going to take or a ball game we're going to go see. I mean, how much more? And and, and think about this. Paul didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go celebrate the feast and hop in his car and drive 30 minutes. No, he was in a a a different country. And he had to put out a massive amount of effort to get there. I mean, we're talking about on a boat, transversing uh, one country after the next, trying to get back to Jerusalem. It wasn't – so this man, he had to have planned it. He's thinking months ahead of time to make his transition, you know, uh, to uh, to Israel. Uh, So this is a big effort. We mentioned last week, you know, yet John – in John's Gospel in chapter ten, it tells us that Jesus celebrated uh, Hanukkah. It mentions it just in you know one verse, but he had, it took him a week to walk from uh, the Galilee to get there, and then another and week back, the way, and then he was a week there. I mean, it's it was a big effort. That's the way that they traveled back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they walked basically. Yeah, yeah. you know, not everybody had a car that's, <laughs> that's called a camel yeah right at the time you know they didn't have a camel yeah and so you know you just put one foot in front of the other and made your way there yeah. in unbearable heat yeah yeah it right. was it was it was a big effort on 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 his part so we if if messiah put out that much effort to go and remember hanukkah then we should at least be able to know what it's about. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. I got to get a, get a break coming up here in sixty seconds. So we'll wait that sixty seconds and another five minutes until we can come back, and then we'll talk about all of this and uh, go through it. And uh, and and should you be celebrating it? I would say yes. You know, I would say, yeah, you should celebrate it. I don't. It's not going. It's not going to kill you. Do you have family traditions uh, where you give gifts to each other? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and continue. L- listen, Jesus is perfect theology. Mm-hmm. If he did it, that's perfect. Amen. And so we do what he did, just like Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Jesus." And so if Jesus did it. Guess what? He said, "I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it," which means he saw his Father celebrating Hanukkah. And if the Father does it, and the Son does it, and the Holy Spirit honored it, then uh, you know what? The church should do it, too. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. Bible guys are here. You got a question? 501-823-0965. All right. So I got a menorah here in the the studio. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, 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 Pastor uh, Stewart for bringing it in. And I'm just going to move it over by me. Here, if I can, it's all tangled up in wires right now. And I got that, and I got a dreidel, and then I think I got 40-something candles, and I only need, what, 12? Four, four, eight? Nine. Eight, nine? Well, well you, you, you replace nine them on the last night. You have to night, replace yeah. them every night, so yeah. you, oh, you will every use night. every I, single one yeah. of those throughout I'll use the time. The it, it, comes, it comes bundled that way because you know, that's enough to get you through the season. Yeah, okay. you know, you burn them all the way. You let them kind of 
burn themselves uh, yeah. out. All, all the way to the bottom. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the tradition. You know, back when I was younger... We used to get wine bottles and put candles in them mm. and let them burn all the way down, and you'd cover the wine bottle with wax. Oh, right, yeah. And you would use different color wax candles. I know, okay? It was just one of the things that we did that was kind of cool <laughs> at, uh, at the time. What can I tell you? Oh, I thought uh, you meant like when you were in school growing up or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> when no. it was their only source of life. Before electricity. Before electricity is what I thought you were alluding to. When I was in college that we did that. Okay, so so anyway, the one you just put in there, I, I guess, um, are we, uh, is are we, on, fa- are we on Facebook? Ca- no, 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 we're not yet. Okay. Not again. The, that one you just put in there, you'll notice, is, um, is higher yes. than the rest of them. Right. And um, it has a special name. It's called the Shamash. Shamash. Yeah. And that means? it means uh, servant. Oh, okay. So it's a servant candle. And uh, the servant candle is going to be the one that you light at the first each night. And then you'll take that one. And then that one will then light the rest of them. So you don't light the candles with a match. You light the first one with a match mm, okay. or with the lighter or whatever. But then that one becomes the one that lights the rest of them. Okay, so and, the question is then when I when I light the second candle for the second night, do I have to go down to the far right to do it or do I go to the far so left you, to do you it? You install them from right to left and then light them from left to right from the idea that the last will be first. So you're going okay. to do them in reverse. Okay. It all means something. Yep. I, yeah. knew, I knew that was important to keep in mind that it means something. And I don't think this didn't come with a little book or anything, so... I'd no. be guessing the whole way through. Yeah, so the, con- the and the reason <laughs> well, they do it that way, one is the eight is for the eight days, but the ninth is for the ninth one to be the servant candle. Okay. And so, you know, obviously a lot of the one of the spiritual principles that they're gonna bring out in the midst of that is that you being the servant will then serve the others and then be the light to the others. And so you you are supposed to be a light and example to others. I'm going I was gonna tell you, Scott, that that's about the size of the medallion that I'm giving my wife and myself oh really for christmas i'm getting star david and in the middle of it i'm having a cross put in it. oh nice so nice. Uh, which reflects that i believe in the messianic mm-hmm. yes uh, yeah. hebraic view of of christianity and i really do that's great so uh, that's well, be something we'll be wearing and i'll go ahead and mention this also um the menorah the regular menorah uh is um it's seven uh branches uh, this one's actually referred to as a Hanukkah, mm. uh, and it obviously has nine. Okay. And so it, it's a little bit different than just the regular menorah. So the menorah that was in the temple, for example, would have seven branches to it, as opposed to having nine. Yeah, I so was thinking is, about that. When I've seen all of the uh, sand and sand and sandal uh, movies in the past, uh-huh. there's always seven that yes. was in the, in well, the, the temple. Re- to remind everybody, or those who didn't hear it last week, is... It's the time from when um, the Maccabees kicked out <clears throat> the Greeks and took the temple back, and then they rededicated the temple. So they were under the oppression of the Greeks for about three years. The temple was ransacked. The pig was offered on the altar and all that stuff. And then the Maccabees rose up and kicked them all out, and then they had to rededicate the temple. So uh, how long did the Maccabees hang out? I mean, how long were they able to you know, hold out against the Greeks? Three years. Oh, three yeah. years. Okay. So After three, three years, they came back and took over. Yes. No, no, no. No. 
No, no. no it took the Maccabees three years to Did get rid of backwards? the Yeah. Oh, okay. so it took the Maccabees three years to get rid of the Greeks. But yeah. once the Maccabees got rid of the, the Greeks, the Maccabees stayed. Yes. Yeah. Yes, until the Romans came along, so no. the Greeks never got it back no. from them. Okay. Well, that's that's good. I'm glad to yeah. hear that. Yeah. Yep. But then the Roman Empire came, and they were stronger than the Greek Empire. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it was. Um, yeah. So they rededicated the temple, uh, and the Jewish tradition says that when they went in, they found only one jar of oil, of all the oil that was used to light the menorah. <clears throat> and so then when they went to light it, it lasted for eight. Yeah, and if you remember, this, this oil, once once it was lit, it was supposed to be lit all the time, ah. perpetually. It wasn't The light was not – once you've lit it, it wasn't supposed to go out. So originally in the temple, as we're told, God originally lit the first menorah himself. And then the priest's job was to maintain the light and make sure the light never went out. So one of the jobs of the priest is to always keep the fire burning. So they knew once they relit the menorah, it wasn't a matter of just, you know, eventually letting it go out and relighting it. Once they lit it, they had to keep it going. That's one of the reasons why when you light the candle, you let it um, go Fair all the way to the bottom. bottom. Okay. And so the process was supposed to take seven days to get new oil. And so they only had enough to last one day, and tradition says it lasted for eight days. That was the miracle. That was the miracle. That's why they'll uh, eat things, fried, oil-centric kind of stuff during this time, fried potatoes, donuts, that kind of stuff. What? We have is, to is eat it, donuts? Oh, yeah. man. As a, ma- as a matter of fact, a little, uh, little uh, plug here. As a matter of fact, so this Sunday, uh, Hanukkah begins Sunday evening, this Sunday morning. Donuts. This com- yeah, this coming Sunday morning at 9 o'clock at our church, uh, we have um, – Donuts, actually, they're donut holes and uh, and um, coffee and hot chocolate for anybody who wants to come early to church. I think last year, I think I think our people ate twenty five hundred or more of these uh, donut <laughs> Good holes. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, celebrating the holiday. They, got, so they, they got into the yeah. the, the full got, meaning. Yeah, and so what? So that's before service, and then after service, you know, obviously um, the the rest that are left will hopefully be uh, be all consumed. For every so. hundred donuts, you get a free angioplasty. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's my question. So. Do you use olive oil um, for your oil? Is there a special kind of oil? That's the oil use? that they used. We yeah. just okay. use candles. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you were, you know, using so some our menorahs are candle based, while correct. theirs is oil. Theirs based. was oil yes, based. Right. Yeah, and so they were supposed to, as, as Pastor Steve said, they were supposed to take them seven, eight days to <clears> get the oil, and they had to go around the country and get the different spices together and create it. But as an act of faith, they lit what they had, and it supernaturally lasted until they had made enough oil to replace, uh, to continue. Cool. And that's that's what the rabbis. Uh, that's kind of the, the story, the legend behind it. And you you can read this story once again. We mentioned this last week, but you can read the story in, uh, in the book of uh, Maccabees. Is it both first and second, or just second? I think the main story. It, I forget which one. Yeah, but it's, it's the it's the whole history of that period of time. But this particular story is just in. I think the second book. Who's the rabbi but, here in Little Rock? There's there's several. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. The, is there a main one? No. The, you have you have the Reform Rabbi, I believe it's Rabbi Block, and then you have the uh, Chabad Rabbi, which I believe is Rabbi Cement. Is it? I don't and know. And the then um, you have the new uh, conservative Rabbi um, Mark uh, Bil- um, uh, Mark um, Biller, who was a speaker at our Night on Israel this year. Okay. So yeah. are, do and, we need to invite him next Tuesday? I could reach out to him if you want me to. Yeah, why don't you see? Because is he the one who does the menorah that's out no, there? No, no, that's uh, that's the Chabad uh, 
synagogue, and I believe it, I believe it's Rabbi Cement. I may be wrong about that, but I believe so. And they'll be lighting that um, this Sunday evening. They typically do it at the corner of uh, Bowman, right, Bowman, Bowman and Chanel. And, and yeah, right there at the, at the – there's a bank right there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. there's a bank there's one. The parking lot of the bank, yeah. Yeah, so um, – They use yeah. lanterns, by the way. Yeah, so they do. That, they do. Yeah, and so that, that um, so that was that was the miracle. That's why on your dreidel there, you'll see that dreidel. Yes. Okay. So hand it to me for a second. Uh, there you go. So the dreidel, this uh, this letter here, the nun, is stands for the Hebrew word uh, uh, nez, which actually was the way we pronounce it, nez gadol hayasham. So this here is for the word uh, miracle. Okay. So this is what the nun means. The n means. You ever heard of the, the phrase before? Um, you know the different names of God. One of them is called. Uh, uh, they typically would say Jehovah Nisi. Have you heard that before? In the no, I've heard God? that. Hey, Nisi. Uh, we typically say it means um, our banner. He's our banner. But actually, the word Nisi means miracle. It's one of the words Nisi. When you put an I at the end of a word, you show possession to a noun, which means my miracle. So basically, Nisi comes from the word uh, uh, for miracle. So that's having to do with a miracle there. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, there there will be those, since we mentioned the book of Maccabees, there will be those out there going, well, that's not biblical. Yeah, and, they say that that's not part of the right. And the there are canon, two things so you need to, to understand. Uh, number one is that Yeshua did it, therefore it is biblical. And number two... Those books were in your Bible until about 130 years ago or so. Yeah, but, but I don't like that point because there's some goofy stuff in there. I, and I just understand. because the Puritans and some other people put that stuff in there they doesn't were, mean they it's were, biblical. They were listed uh, as uh, – they were attached to the Bibles, and, and those the, your Bible was shortened, if you will, uh, in order to make it more printable so that it could be spread the, further. The port that they I were, make on it is they were it's included, historical. Right. They were included as historical books, yep. not as canon scripture for, for theological position. But understand that those books were there mm-hmm. uh, until about 130 years ago. I guess I'll show my age. Closer to 150 years at this point. Um, so, but know, that, and, that, and that's important because Jesus obviously knew these books and knew right. the story mm-hmm. and honored what happened and affirmed the miracle. Right. He was affirming what happened, whether we see it as a miracle of lights or a right. military victory. Either one, he affirmed it as being a miracle that was worthy of his presence. Uh, and uh, and so if, it, if he thought it was worthy of his presence, then you should consider it worthy of your presence at a Hanukkah celebration right. as well. Are we getting ready to take a break? Because I was going to... Yeah, I am going to take a break. I just wanted to get a clarification of something that you said, Steve. You said... That the the candles are put in uh, left to right and no right, right to left and then burn left to right lit from left to right. Okay, I so the last sure. one is the first one to get lit because and the scripture talks about the last being first. And okay. you talked about kind of foundering around in the dark. There is a book uh, called Eight Lights, a Hanukkah devotional for the followers of Yeshua. It is an excellent book and it's like twelve dollars on um, Amazon. And I just ordered a couple for some friends. They arrived the next day, so. If you're founder, if you feel like you're foundering around and you want to do better than that, it, that book can be it's, picked yeah, up and be here before Hanukkah. I, so. I walked in. I was walking past my uh, my PA uh, on uh, yesterday or a couple days ago, and I noticed that book was, was on laying her, there. And yeah. she had heard Steve mention on uh, the radio last week. Oh yeah, she, yeah. she ordered it and she had it on. It, her, it on was her Steve, desk. so That's I didn't cool. listen last week. So uh, all right, of course. Oh, wait. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got some we got some additional things from Steve when we come back talking Hanukkah. We'll even spend one other day of this uh, this month 
talking about Hanukkah next week as well. We're going to try to get one of the rabbis on talk about that as well. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about East End Towing. No matter what your situation, East End Towing can happen to you, and they can help you. For instance, you could be like Aaron. You could be just driving to work, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you get a flat tire. And if he didn't want to change it himself, he could have called East End Towing at uh, 501-888-8849, and they would have come out and uh, done the road assistance for him and, and changed his tire for him. Again, let me give you that number again, 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. All right, back with you. Now, next week, I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to give us a, a real uh, time historical look at uh, the first Christmas. All right, because it's not the way we portray it mm-hmm. in the church, or that you got under your Christmas tree. It's just not that. It wasn't that way. Doesn't mean that Jesus didn't come. It just means that it was different than what we've been taught. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah. Three kings didn't show up to sit the night that Jesus was born. Right. You know and. Uh, it, that kind of, I'll be honest with you, it kind of makes me go, well, watch it. And I go, it's so great, but the story is so wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, it's happening in September. It's not in December and all of that. So go ahead, Steve. I know you want That's to bring something up. That's why we kind of, we moved away from that. We don't, I went through a period of time where I was coarse. I know it's going to sound surprising um, <laughs> about that kind of stuff uh, as far as Christmas, because once you, I'm I am wired in such a way that I only deal with facts and truth. And so if I find something that is to be true or not true, then I adjust my life based on that. And when I found out where all of the Christmas stuff came from, I was just like, well, that's not biblical. And I started focusing on tabernacles. And so we just kind right. of dropped. It wasn't an overnight, but it was probably within a year or two of finding out that I was like, oh, so we're going to change. Which I say all that because that's why what I focus on during tabernacles. The tradition of the oil lasting for eight days is in rabbinic literature in uh, Talmud. It's not in the book of Maccabees. What's in the book of Maccabees is the story of them going in and kicking out the Greeks. And the reason that we celebrate that as the miracle is because it is also a fulfilled prophecy. It is a way to confirm the things that are written in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then when Jesus went, he's reaffirming what the book of Daniel, chapter 8, told us was going to come. And, and, and when you read that and understand that the language that was being used in Daniel 8, talking about the goat from the, from the west that was going to come and drive east, kick out the ram that was in the east, which was Persia, and you see this historically accurate prophecy be fulfilled, and it describes that the, the temple would be ransacked for 2,300 evenings and mornings, which is about three years period. It's exactly what the Book of Maccabees records. So we, we focus on that aspect of it. I mean, we do the traditions. We eat donuts and latkes, and we'll talk about those kind of things. But for me, the main focus is God's Word is true and factual and fulfilled. And if this was one of the many prophecies that we have evidence of being fulfilled, then that's going to be my focus, is that God is going to continue to perform his miracles and fulfill his word. As far as uh, Christmas goes, is it all right to look at it as a family tradition? Yeah, I personally personally think that um, uh, if we, you know, I lived in the U.K. for, you know, for 11 years, and, um, and, it was not, well, well. What they did was, 
like the Queen, for example. I lived there during the, the, the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. So, you know, her <laughs> birthday was at, I forget what when it was actually, but then the nation celebrated her birthday several months later. Mm-hmm. So it was a nat- so they it was placed at a time of the year where it was actually more convenient uh, more convenient for everyone to celebrate it. So um, so obviously the best thing to do is to do it when when we believe that actually uh, yeah. actually happened. But you know people say this you should be celebrating the birth of Jesus every day of your life. You should right. be celebrating well, yeah. you know, all the time. So so if taking a certain time of the year, I think that we can I think that sometimes we can shoot ourselves in the foot in a way. Uh, I think that if, like I've told my church, I said, listen, this time of year, more people are thinking about the nativity, the birth of Jesus, than any other time. Whether it's the right time or not, the world is thinking. The world is about to pause all life to celebrate this. And I said, so take advantage of this and use it for for you know, for advancing the gospel and yep. bring people into here, so so I think that we have to uh, use what we have uh, culturally, but not um, from our pulpits, but still tell people the truth. We're doing this right now, but really, this is the time we may be celebrating his birth now, but his birth is really in September, and then uh, the September October time, and then when that actually rolls around next year, you make a point of talking about it and make yeah. a point of a and celebrating why is it as that well. You do this, yeah, right? And why we're doing this, but we don't want to be so anti that we actually miss a gospel moment to actually further the gospel in someone's life. That's the part that I was referring to because early on, call it, I don't know, sometimes people go through, whether it be a little anger or frustration, of course, because of my natural inclination to be sarcastic and pokey. What? uh, Yes. No, it's a true thing. Uh, It happens from time to time. Uh, You know, I would say things like happy Saturnalia to people that were celebrating Christmas because that's part of the origins. And I I grew up a little bit and backed off that stuff because it was not productive. So I went through that statement or that stage for about a year or two. Um, But yes, ideally, it would be let's get everybody focused because then you'll understand the prophecy and the purpose of tabernacles, and then it would make sense to do it during that time frame. But I I wish people Merry Christmas, and and I'm going to go see my family a couple days after. But, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that we don't, as Pastor Scott said, you don't want to... Um, you know, shoot your foot there, and just uh, you're not going to have any productivity. And that is actually one of the things that I fight with some people in the Messianic community about: is you're not helping people see right. when you go through that stage that I, I went got through. You. I mean, when you have when you have actual commercials that are singing a Christmas carol right. and they're singing about the newborn King and, and yep. joy to yep. the world, you're like they're singing about Jesus. So they're, they're no, more sure. cognizant of this right now than almost any other time. Maybe also at quote Easter time, uh, they're also thinking about what that's about. But we need to to see that moment and uh, quite honestly when you look at the book of Maccabees the way they celebrated in the month of Kislev in December the way they celebrated was actually celebrated tabernacles yeah, in like December yep. so they moved Sukkot in a way to December to celebrate the same thing what do we celebrate at Sukkot the birth of Messiah they brought it into December and they celebrated Sukkot in December um we can talk about that maybe more next week. We can actually yeah, read out the book. Of, we can read the book of Maccabees and show where they actually transplanted Sukkot into December, so they celebrate it twice. All right, that's for next week. You learned a lot today, Billy, Scott, and Steve. Thank you all for coming in. They, they are the Bible guys. They'll be back next uh, uh, what Tuesday yep. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll be back at nine o'clock get into it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I've been talking about this now for weeks uh, as the election has been coming to an end and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was elected governor 
and that I believe that uh, school choice was going to be the number one issue she's going to deal with. Yesterday, I had Roby Brock on. He agreed with me on that in saying that he thought that was the issue she was really going to hang her hat on. And uh, so, you know, I mean, Ace has hang, hung his hat on cutting taxes. That's boom, 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 all the way down that he's been going. But uh, she, I think, has uh, made it very clear that uh, unless your kid can read and do some math, uh, his uh, his future is not all that bright. It's just the, the way it is. So we're hearing more and more out in the open now. I'm surprised. I'm, I kind of understand why the governor-to-be has yet to come forth and say what she's going to do. You don't want to give the enemies of your programs uh, an uh, an early start to attack you, and they're already attacking her. I'm seeing stuff now in the press and stuff uh, where they're starting to attack this whole idea of universal school choice. Uh, what is universal school choice? And that's what we're going to talk about this hour. And it's the easiest way for me to say it to you is that it's where the money that the state uh, attaches to a student when they go to a school is going to be controlled not by uh, the uh, the people who are in tra- charge of our schools and, and things of that nature. It's going to be controlled by the parents. The parents will decide where that money goes. How? It will be the how is very simple. Uh, do you want to stay in the public school you're in? You can stay in the public school you're in. Do you want to go to a charter school? You can say, I want to go to this charter school, and I want the money that's attached to my child to come to that charter school. Do you want to go to a private school? You can do it with a private school. Do you want to do it at a private school that's got a, uh, you know, a religious backing? You can do that. That was determined uh, at the end of last year's session with the Supreme Court when they ruled if you're going to spend X amount of dollars uh, and send it to uh, public schools, or charter schools or private schools, you had to include religious schools as well. So that is part of the law now. So that kind of sets it all up for you the way it is right now. I will let you know, Secretary Staff, or the uh, the new governor coming in, used to be an assistant Secretary of Staff to Governor Ducey in Arizona. Uh, Arizona is one of the states that here just recently went to uh, universal uh, school choice. In fact, the governor said that he said we went from zero to 100 overnight, and uh, they did. Florida, Indiana, West Virginia, and a whole lot of other states, I think it's 15 in, in, uh, in total, have uh, started doing some form of this, of uh, having universal school choice. And it's a good thing for your kids. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I think a lot of people have been for it. I've been for it since the 80s. And, and, and we used to, there's a word that you don't use anymore. You don't say the word voucher. All right. That, that's been given a bad, bad meaning. And all it means is that the money follows the kid. So now instead of them saying that they're going to give your child a voucher, they're going to give them an educational 
scholarship. That's what they're saying. And it's just that money that's what's going to happen. But it takes away some of the uh, uh, preconceived notions that people have about uh, what this is all about. So I had uh, a young lady in with me uh, a few months ago, and we talked about her running for school board over at Cabot. And uh, she lost, but she got into the race and uh, and did her thing and and good for her she got you know you can't complain about somebody getting in uh to the arena you know and are willing to take the slings and arrows that go along with that so she did and one of the main things that she was wanting to bring to her school district which is the cabot school district was uh, universal school choice that's what she wanted to see and so i've got her back on She's changed her uh, her uh, Facebook page. Now you'll be able to have a place you can go and get all the information you need to get dealing with this issue. And, Courtney, thanks for coming back on to the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you with us here on the, on, on the show. So it wasn't a pleasant experience when you ran for uh, the school board. Well, I won't say that. It may have been a pleasant experience. It may have been a, a, an experience you'll look back on with uh, not regret but i'm glad i did it because it even made it you know more uh you know for for you to go out and and press this issue yes it um it was a good experience i definitely don't regret it um it wasn't always fun there were times when it was very stressful but i i've been asked to do it again so we will see (laughs) well and maybe in the you know in the next couple of years you'll you'll run again. But here here's the key: you want as I know you've been hearing this, I've been hearing this, everybody's been hearing this, and we're going to hear it loud and clear. I believe when the governor uh, approaches the people and gives her inauguration speech, because I think we'll hear a lot about it in in the speech, and that is she wants to get off the dime when it comes to education in Arkansas. Look, we have been struggling with education since I got here 23 years ago. We've not, but here's what we have not done. We've never really changed anything. We've stayed with what they would call the tried and true or the status quo or whatever uh, terminology you want to use. And, you know, Albert Einstein was real clear about that. You know, uh, that the definition of insanity was, you know, doing something the same way time and time and time and time again and expecting a different outcome. You're never going to get a different outcome, you know. It's like beating your head against the wall and not even stopping when it hurts. So uh, let me just ask you, what are, what are some of the things that, as you're starting to talk to people about this, what are what do they say when they hear about universal school choice? Well, some people don't understand it. They think that because you can choose, because um, right now in Arkansas, say if you don't want your kid to go to Jacksonville, yes, you can choose to um, probably go to another school district. But they only allow a certain amount to do that. They're not going to allow everybody that wants to to switch to the school district. Why? Money. Right. Yeah, money um. <laughs> follows every kid. Yeah, uh, state money and federal money. Yes. And so a lot of people don't get that we don't have real school choice. We have 
um, just you can choose the district. You cannot choose any other option. So you're going from district to district. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, well, s- private schools aren't accountable to um, the state like public schools are. Okay. Explain to them what you mean by accountable. So the private schools are not, I guess, held to the same standard as public schools. They don't have to follow the certain, um, you know, Department of Education gives out the standards for the state of Arkansas school districts, and they do have to follow them. Um, And I guess they say that uh, private schools are not held to those standards. But um, are public schools really being held to the standards if we're if our, most of our kids aren't reading. So I don't think that the rules equal the accountability. So we have rules that school districts are supposed to follow. We all know that they don't necessarily follow them, um, and they don't, they're don't. they definitely not held accountable to parents or teachers. Uh, so a, a private school, they know that if you don't like what they're doing, you can pull your kid and take that money. And mm-hmm. they run. They don't get public funds. So... They're having parents choosing to bring their kids there. Um, so I would think that really that would – they probably have a little bit higher standard because they have to keep the kids to keep the money. Yeah, they have to answer to the, to the clients, so yes. to speak. The clients of a public school, which is the taxpayer, mm-hmm. you'll find that they could care less a lot of times about what you think. Uh, yeah, that's what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not interested in in talking about that. Even a private school. Let's say you had a private school. Let me just take a a, a gander. What is it? What's the one that's here in Arkansas? Uh, here in Central Arkansas Christian. Yeah, or little here in Little Rock. Life. Yeah, I that, can't remember. That's so good with uh, football. Uh, that, uh, that's out there. Come on, help me out here, Aaron. You know who I'm talking about. Pulaski, Pulaski Tech. Yeah, your Pulaski Academy. There you okay. go. All right. Let's say that they found out that every one of their students didn't read a grade level. Do people really think that the state board of education wouldn't say something about that? Well, do you think that the parents that are paying? Well, they're definitely ridiculous amounts something. wouldn't pull their kids out and find a different but one. But <laughs> when you hear people say to you that uh, you know they don't have to answer the way a public school mm-hmm. does, they're they're talking about the board of education basically from the south, I, uh, from the state. Now I'm saying board of education. It's uh, you know their their director or whatever. Uh, use whatever terminology you want to use. But the bottom line. Though you'll say that they're not involved, if those kids were failing, they would get involved. I agree. In some way. They would get involved in it. So keep that in mind. You can say that they can't. I'll tell you they would. Oh, yeah. It, w- it, it would definitely happen. All right. We've got to get a break in. My producers tell me, take your break now, Dave. So we'll take that. And then we'll come back with Courtney Rowland and myself are going to talk more about education and uh my goal during this hour is to try to get you to to think a little bit about about this whole universal uh, you know education policy that allows you to take your child and put them where you think they need to be to be able to learn to their best 
uh, abilities. So let's get to that. But before we do, let me uh, take a break and, and tell you about Pat Davis. He's got your health plan man. That's a group of people that work with him, and they take care of uh, your your health insurance. And there's there's more to health insurance uh, than just you know signing you up on some government uh, you know go put you on the plantation program. Uh, Pat Davis and and his team uh, develop and custom build your health plan. So that what it covers, it covers what's most important to you. I mean, if you're a single guy having maternity care, probably is not uh, the number one thing that you want to have. Now, if you're married, that's a different story. And it's for you and your wife. And you're thinking about having children. Then you'd have you'd want to have maternity care. But there's all kinds of things that are out there that are included in health plans that perhaps you don't want. And by not having them, you'll save money. On top of that, these are private health plans that many times are going to pay you to go to the doctor. There's X amount of dollars that are ascribed to you to go see a doctor. If you don't use all those dollars, should it go back to the insurance company or should it go back to your wallet? I argue it should go back to you. And Pat and his team can make sure that that happens. And finally, uh, you know, you get all these middlemen involved, and they're uh, taking their slice of the pie as well, getting their pound of flesh uh, from your health plan uh, as well. You want that to stop. So I'm going to try to talk to you today and get you to say, well, I'll I'll give them a call. That's what I want you to do. Give them a call. Talk to Pat or one of his representatives and let them show you how they can save you thousands of dollars a year uh, like they've already been saving people thousands of dollars a year. You know, find out how how this all works out so that you, too, can get in on uh, saving some money. You can call or text them at 501-605-6935. That's 501-605-6935. Or visit them online at Your Health Plan Man. That's one word, yourhealthplanman.com. Well, and good to have her today uh, with her. And, and she's gotten very, very... Uh, involved in universal school choice. Now, this is going to become a, a topic uh, of contention. I'm telling you, it will be a topic of contention coming uh, in January. January 9th is when the new General Assembly will begin. I will begin my broadcast from over at the Capitol twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, starting on uh, the, see, the 9th and 16th, day after Martin Luther King Day, uh, we'll start. And I'm going to have uh, Doyle Webb, and I'm going to have uh, also on with me is going to be, uh, uh, well, I'll come up with the name. I just forgot his name. And uh, on the Thursday, Ryan Norris is going to be with me. And you want to list, be listening during the first few weeks about all of the fighting that's going to happen within committees and and all of that uh, because there's going to be a lot of very, very, how's the best way for me to put this, special people coming into Arkansas to testify. 
and it's going to be interesting. It's not something that hasn't been done. It has been. Fifteen states right now and more are jumping in all the time. So, Courtney, you wanted me to make sure that people understand, understood the difference between the, how the money is gathered uh, to be spent for education. I mean, about 61 cents of every dollar that you're taxed for here in the state of Arkansas is going, and maybe even a little bit more, is going towards students uh, to make sure that they get a, quote, public uh, education. All that's going to happen here is that that money is going to be attached to the student and will be determined by the parent where that money is going to so that they can attend that school. Okay, so explain why that's important. So um, when you say that you want the funds to follow the child, um, a lot of people say, well, it's, you know, that's federal money. That's uh, money from the state. Why would we take let a child take it to whatever school they choose, and why can they take it to a private school? But um, not only, I mean, you're taxed in the state of Arkansas, but also all, you know, locally, the majority of your taxes go to your public schools, or at least I know in Cabot. Um, your property taxes, yes, for sure. Your personal property taxes, um, they all go to, ta- you're paying that money in. So when it comes down to it, that money is coming from parents across the state. They've paid that money in because you have to pay your taxes. Um, why wouldn't you be able to, if your kid is not thriving in a school, you should be able to make that choice. Because who is going to do what's best for their child more than the parents? No one. Not teachers, not school districts. You can have the best teachers and they can have the best intentions, but at the end of the day, the parent, the majority of parents, are going to do the best for their child regardless. And that's just, I think that parents in Arkansas deserve to have that choice. And especially when you look at uh, the statistics on how many kids aren't reading at grade level, and um, that, it's pretty sad, actually. And so... If we can find a school that would better help our kids and meet their needs, then we should be able to have that choice. And money should not dictate how good of an education any child gets. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And then let's let's grab one more bull by the horns here before we get to the bottom of the hour. And then we'll be a little easier for us to generically speak about the the subject and that is for homeschoolers because homeschoolers be will be able to tap this money as well there's two arguments here one is from the public school side who will say well how do we know that they're actually you know educating their kids and then the other side is from the homeschooler side who said who wants to say well why why do i want to take money state money and have to put up with all their rules so i'll let you deal with that we've got about uh, 90 seconds so i don't know of a parent that keeps their kids home and works on teaching them the best that they can that would do that if they did not truly believe in that Um, my sister she's homeschooled my niece and nephew one's in 10th grade and one's in fifth um they can pro- they're probably reading better than my kids who are in public school. So mm-hmm. um, I think that homeschoolers should get to choose. And a lot of them, they don't want the public funds because they want to 
they're teaching their kids what they've found that works for their kids, and they don't truly want to have to change that. If it's working for their kids and their kids are thriving, they want to continue doing it their way. And mostly for private private homeschool kids, in the majority, there's a religious component absolutely in there. And uh, with that being there, they don't want the the uh, the state government or the federal government to be able to tell them they can or they cannot teach that component to their children. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that they should. I mean, a lot of homeschool parents, their their kids are going on field trips weekly. They're learning history. They're going to the state capitol. They're going to just do things that public school kids are actually not doing. I mean, we haven't been on field trips in a couple years in public schools, um, but they're learning hands-on. And a lot of the parents that I know that homeschool, they take it very seriously, and they spend a lot of time on it. All right. We'll take a break, and uh, Courtney will be back with me in the next half hour. Stick around for that. Here's your local news. All right, let's get back to it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Courtney Rowland is my guest here today, uh, and we're talking about uh, universal school choice. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to happen. There's going to be a fight. Now, I'm not going to predict that the that the end result will be what everybody wants in, in this bill. I just know we'll make the move forward to get the bill really going and making it move forward. It will take some time uh, to, to get the program up and running, and, and you got to write all the legislation around it and all the legalities around it. Uh, I'm going to have to get uh, Senator Kim Hammer on and talk to him about it. He's on the Education Committee. I'll see if perhaps we bring the chairman on as well and talk to her. I just think that we all have to come to the conclusion, I would hope that we would, that if our children are not learning and we've been doing the same thing year after year and, uh, you know, semester after semester, day after day, and it is not moving uh, our children forward, then we got to try something else. we got to do something else. And we've already fought the battle of, you know, well, we'll do it, but we're going to just, you know, we're going to inchworm our way into it. I mean, the governor says, well, we've got, uh, you know, some programs. Yeah. How, how reduced are those programs? I mean, we're just talking about at-risk kids very few million, uh, millions of dollars to get the program underway. Jonathan Dismang, who is a school choice uh, advocate, uh, you know, wrote the bill. And even he said, you know, it was ridiculously small uh, and it wasn't going to prove anything. So it did help a few people. So I'll give credit on that. But when I get Lori and some of the other folks back on again and we start firing this up and we start really fighting, I'm not looking for small small gains i'm looking for big wins now that's what i'm looking for uh i think the governor wants a big win as well because i i'm telling you i think she can hang her hat on this if, if she would do really really well on this um does she have something that she wants to do in the future she might and if she does this is a great place to to get started look at what it's done for glenn Youngkin. Up there in Virginia. I mean, I'm just telling you, it can make a big difference for her as far as that's concerned. So let's get back with uh, with Courtney. I brought her on to talk, not me. You hear me talk about this all the time. What was it that what 
got you set up that you said, we have got to do something like this? You're on. Just move up on the mic there so we can hear you. I think that. Hit her microphone over there, Aaron, would you? There we go. Um, I think that whenever you look at how our kids are, you know, just in Cabot, I know that we have, you know, Cabot is a good school district, but um, there's issues along, you know, with every school. But just Arkansas, our kids are not reading where they should be. And I think that if we think about the kids and not money, everyone should be for school choice. Why would you not want kids to move to a school that will do what they need? I have a daughter in special education, so she's in an elementary school that has done amazing for her. She is really doing well. But what would happen that you could take the additional money that taking your your child to perhaps a school that specifically worked with children that have learning disabilities, how much better would she do? I can only imagine, um, because as much as her teachers work hard, they only have a, I mean, they have other kids, um, and all schools do, but I think that if she was, there is schools that will be able to do better for her, and even my son, I mean, he does pretty well in school, but the older you get, the more issues, and in junior high, the issues in just in Cabot, uh, it's pretty horrible, some of the things you hear. And um, I'm not willing to just sit back and just keep pushing my kids through a district that doesn't care my opinion. And that's pretty much across the state and across the country in most places. Um, our school districts, our school boards, they for the most part do not want parents that involved and i think that if you have school choice and you have more schools wanting to come to that area because now they don't have they can they can depend on public funds if the kids choose to go to that school um who, the, the school boards they're gonna maybe start thinking about oh well, maybe we should have listened to these parents and took them into consideration instead of just treating them like they're the enemy and you know, I think they would say, hey, well, maybe the parents had a point. You start pulling your kids and that funding goes with you, their enrollment numbers go down, they might try to do better to get them enrollment numbers back up. And there's been studies that show that school choice also helps public schools because what does that do? It gives them competition. Now they have to do better if they want to keep the kids in their school district. And I think that our um, the schools could benefit from that, having to do better to actually keep their schools enrollment numbers up yeah and you better keep your your enrollment uh, numbers up or all those things that you want to do at your school don't get done yep because you don't have the money to do it that that's what i think is uh, interesting is that the money will flow to the schools who are getting the job done absolutely the schools who are doing the best the schools even if it i mean they may not be the best in the state but if your kids are reading and your kids are thriving that's the best school for your child and um, i think that it would benefit uh, the schools and the kids mostly the kids or or what some other things that you got to think about is that maybe some schools uh would change their disciplinary 
uh, ways of, of handling disciplinary problems, things of that nature. I think that's some of the things that will initially be the main drivers of uh, the school choice. I agree. People are going to want to put their kids in schools where they don't have to worry about their children being bullied and things of that nature. They want that to stop. And I don't believe that uh, public schools do as much as they could do if they wanted to. And part of that is a problem that the State Board of Education makes it difficult for them to do the things that they need to do. I agree. If you get get around that, and by putting your child in a different school, maybe they don't get to play football, but at least they get an education. Yep. I think that you're right about discipline. Um, and like I said, I'm in Cabot, so I can only speak for my district. Um, right. But I know that I have a son is at a junior high, and um, the things he tells me are absolutely ridiculous. Um, and kids doing things that they should be in a lot of trouble for not even suspended not sent home from school um i actually know three paras that have worked in cabot school district and since during my campaign actually all three quit and pulled kids out of cabot so they were district employees that felt their kids were being bullied and treated that's, that's so badly strong that they gave up a they paycheck. They quit their jobs. Yeah, they yep. gave up a paycheck. Absolutely. Okay. All right. We got to get a, our final break in. Let's do that. It's a nine forty-four, or sixteen minutes until ten, whichever way you want to look at it. And uh, we'll be back and finish it up here for a Tuesday, talking about education. If you want to join in the conversation, if you've got something you feel like you want to say about this. Here's the number to call, 501-823-0965. That's 501-823-0965. So your views of universal uh, school choice, it's up for uh, your discussion as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, final segment, about 11 minutes to go here. And then we'll be done for the day. Tomorrow, don't forget, in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, uh, we'll have Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman on. They'll bring us up to date on what's going on in the wonderful world of Washington. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, we're going to hear from the folks up in uh, in Searcy and talk to them about their school and uh, about another uh, another. Uh, uh, another part of their school that you need to know about they got uh, some different things that they're working on we'll talk about that uh tomorrow as well and i'm trying i'm trying to get the new chairman of the uh republican party of arkansas on with us and see if we can make that work i'll send him another another uh text today uh, to see if he can make it in at the 9 o'clock hour, because you need to know what he's thinking. You know, you really do. We're not that far from Jonelle stepping down completely and him stepping in, Cody Highland stepping in and running uh, the, the party. So we, I want to know some of his, his ideas. This whole fight that's going to happen over uh, education, and it really shouldn't be a fight. It should be a foregone conclusion is really what it should be because the Republican uh, platform, state platform, says very specifically 
that we're going to do this. Yep. So if if you vote against it and you're Republican, I will be talking about in the next two years, if you're in the state legislature, uh, next, uh, whatever, four, six years over in the in the Senate, that you need to be removed. Absolutely. You know, if you're not going to if you're not going to stand up for the platform, why are you running for, you know, that particular party? Uh, so let's go back. Let's finish up here uh, with Courtney. Courtney Rowland is our guest. Courtney, first of all, I haven't asked you yet. Uh, what is the uh, uh, website or the no, it's, not, it's Facebook, right? Yes. Okay. Where do you go to get this information? Um, so I my Facebook page is called Keeping Arkansas Families or e- Keeping Arkansas Parents Informed. Okay. Um, so or you could just look up Courtney Roldan and it should come up that way too. So and mm. I post a lot on there. A lot of it's about school choice, and then I have a teacher friend that will she'll give parent resources if you're having issues in your district. Um, she knows pretty much everything about the curriculum, and so she's she can answer any questions about that too so speaking of curriculum what kind of say does the parents of of let's just say let's use cabot because we're both from there what kind of say does uh, the, the parents have in the curriculum any or is that all on the teachers and the school board um i don't believe parents have any say and i i know there's probably a committee that does it and i'm sure it ha- i know um and I think Aaron Randolph is still the, over the curriculum in Cabot. I know he's a district or this deputy superintendent also. Okay. He's the guy that reads all the bills and stuff. Yes, and so I think that there are teachers that have an input. Um, I don't know how many. I've never heard of, about this committee. I just know that I would hope that there is more than just one person saying this is what we're doing. But I don't know of a parent that's ever had a say in any curriculum well the key is is getting the information absolutely because the only information you're going to get from the the school district is whatever they want you to know know which says to you see this is a great curriculum yes all right and finding out if that's true or not may not be as easy as you think it is no it's not and it is actually very hard to find out a lot of information on curriculum um so I think that the answer that the Cabot School District has given is that they're using curriculum that is based on the state standard, and that's pretty much their answer. It's the only answer I've heard of. Look at how education is doing in the state, and then tell me that that's enough for you uh, as a parent to say, oh, I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just something I'm just saying. Use a little little bit of uh, cognitive thinking here goes a long way into saying that, that that's a BS thing to say from I think the school board and the, and the superintendent. I agree. You know, I I think I would have the information saying in X Y Z you know uh, schools uh, this is how the reading scores went up or math scores went up and things of that nature. If they can't offer that. That type of uh, reasoning, then uh, you have every right in the world to wonder if it's going to work or not. I agree, and they do list the curriculum on the website, but then you have you would have to go and research to try to figure out. Yeah, you got to research yes. it yourself. Don't expect it's not them giving to do you a lot. Okay, so anyway, that's something to think about as as well. Are you hearing? I mean, you talk 
probably to more people than I do uh, about this kind of an issue, and you get a feel for what they're saying. What is your feeling that you're hearing out there? First of all, I know you've got a lot of teacher friends. Yes. All right. What are you hearing from them? Not a lot on school choice, I'll be honest. Um, I don't know. Are they trying to be quiet because they don't want to go on the record? I've, I know one has asked um, about the accountability or the following the standards of the state mm-hmm. and about the public funds, but that's all I've had f- as far as teachers. Um, but the parents I've talked to, they're ready. <laughs> they're ready, and they've said, let me know when it's time to email legislators. You just let me know what I can do to help. Um, that's what I'm hearing from many, many parents. So, so for our state legislators uh, up in uh, the Cabot area, uh, Evans and I'm trying to think of the, who's the state senator. Uh, Ricky Hill. Ricky Hill. I hear that Ricky Hill is not real positive about you know um, universal school choice. As far as how he, I don't know. He's never said that he didn't agree with it. I know he said that he believes it's going to happen. Okay. So he just yeah. recently told Thinking me that. Thinking something so he does, that might happen yes. versus do you agree with it or not, that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. All right. I'll, let, I'll have to show up at the, here uh, at our next uh, state uh, meeting for the Republican Party up there in Lono County yeah. and just kind of pull both of them to the side and talk to them a little bit and see how they're feeling about it. And I, I believe Brian Evans is for Evans school is. choice. He's on the he education committee. I've talked committee. to him about yes, it. Yes, I have too. Um, he's a great guy and I've talked to him often and um, so. It's going to be interesting because you get that stuff out and get it on the floor of the House and the Senate. There's going to be some give and take oh, yeah. out there. I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to that. I don't know if the uh, governor-elect I know that she's met with the caucus a few times, and I'm talking about the Republicans now. Why would you meet with the Democrats? But uh, you know, meet with the Republicans because you got super majorities in mm-hmm. the House and in the Senate. So um, I'm sure she's going to answer questions that they might have that they can take back to their constituents and say, well, here's what the governor told me. They're yes. going to do it this way, and we're going to make it happen. So. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward. It's why I invited you to come on. Yes. You're one of the grassroots people that are out there. There's more than just you. They're all over the state of Arkansas, and we're going to have them on from time to time. We're going to have Ryan Norris on from, uh, of course, uh, uh, his organization, and he's got several people he's going to be bringing in uh, that are what I call the big shots, yeah. the people who have been known for school choice, Miss Lincoln and some others uh, that will be appearing here on the show, and we'll hear them probably while they're in the Capitol. And when I'm at the Capitol, you'll be hearing from all kinds of elected officials about that. Like I said, first day, which will be the Tuesday after the first uh, meeting, uh, we're going to have Doyle on, and uh, we're going to have uh, Roby Brock on, uh, talking specifically about education. And uh, we'll have a lot of questions, and we'll be trying to get a lot of people on to get answers to those questions. If you'll stick with me, uh, we, we used to do this all the time, and then COVID started, and I got cut out from being at the Capitol and stuff. Now we'll be there, and instead of doing it in the afternoon, we're going to do it in the morning. 
and uh, we should be able to catch a lot of these people right after they come out of their committee meetings and find out what they're talking about. Remember what I always say about committees. It's where, where bills go to die. All right, that's what committees are for, to kill bills, not to pass them. I'll be going up to the state capitol myself so I can listen. Keep up on it. <laughs> You got to keep up yep. on it. They change from day to day, hour to hour, minute to oh, minute yeah. at times. It gets pretty, pretty wild and crazy. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for today, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, don't forget that tomorrow uh, we're going to be talking with our uh, congressman and our senator, or our congressman, not a senator, congressman uh, from District 2 and District 4 and find out what they have to say about what's happening. Uh, during the lame duck session that's going on right now, what are the Democrats up to? We got to keep an eye on them. Make sure they're not trying. They're going to try to get a big omnibus bill through. I don't think they can get it done. And uh, we'll talk to them about that tomorrow, as well as uh, we'll talk to Harding University and see what kind of graduate program, new one they got coming up that you should know about as well. Until tomorrow, you have a great day. Try to stay as dry as you can this afternoon and drive slower and don't get in somebody's trunk. And then away went Rudolph, whizzing like a shooting star.